Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Uh, what's up, guys? We're in deep into next gen. How about that, huh? We're a week into next gen. How about that? How about that? I am Nick. I am your host. This is Nick's Nerd News. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thanks to new listeners. Uh, hello to everyone. You know, it's, it's, and we're that much closer to the end of, of 2020, huh? Jesus. Been a wild ride, hasn't it? Well, the moment a lot of us have been waiting for is here. And in in a sea of of just terrible, terrible things to happen all year long and, and for ups and downs and 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 I just let's hope that twenty twenty is finally the change and is the the kick in the pants and the jump start that, that a lot of a lot of this world needed, and I really hope that that things just get better from here on out. You know what I mean? But let's just jump right into it, shall we? Because I know you guys are here to listen and hear about next gen. And before we talk about the games, before we do anything, let's talk about the Xbox Series X. I was lucky enough to snag a pre-order. I was lucky enough to not have my pre-order canceled. And I was lucky enough to still have it on launch day, despite some crazy, crazy shenanigans with order tracking and GameStop's order website. And, and you know, props to people that got their Series Xs, props to people that got their PS5s. I do feel for people who got a pre-order but might have to wait until almost December to get their, their console... Um, I, that just, that's really shitty, you know, and I feel bad for people who couldn't get a pre-order and, and video game consoles, I think are just going to be a little hard to get for quite a while, but it's understandable, especially in a year like this year where, where gaming has seen an exponential rise in, in just everything across the board as, as, as in an industry as a whole, but it's it's interesting for sure, but what I do want to say, and, and that's a good thing overall, you know, it, it means more games, more people playing, more money for developers to come up with new ideas, but overall it's a, it, it's been an escape for people where some of our other normal escapes have been kind of missing, if you will, but Let's get into it. Like I said, I, I want to start with the Series X. And honestly, one of the most seamless console hookups I've ever had. And I didn't even really have to change out my power cord or my HDMI cord. Um, I, I only did the HDMI cord just to go to the next one. The power cord I didn't because it was the same as my One X. And my entertainment center is a bitch and a half to 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 change out and open up and swap things around. But overall, the presentation on the Series X was was very... It was just like, hey, this is your thing. 
This is your awesomeness that you get to explore and have fun with. And, like, the pictures do not do it justice. It is an imposing black box. Yes, it is just a, a black box, essentially, but Xbox always has been that. And and it is heavier than you expect it to be, right? And, which made me also realize I totally forgot how heavy my One X was, you know, when I was swapping them out. But ev- everything was, was easy. You, you Once you get it plugged in and turned on, you... Connect it with your the Xbox app, which it prompts you to download, and it essentially copies all of your settings from your Xbox One. If if you if you have an Xbox One currently, uh, the only thing that didn't really transfer over is some of the the HD settings. So, and I, I had to go into my TV and change some settings that somehow got lost in translation from. One uh, X to Series X. The other downside is my TV doesn't recognize that it's an Xbox because it, it it did previously with the One X. So I don't know if it's a firmware update that needs to come to the TV or not, or or anything like that. So I I can't exactly control it with with my my uh, TV's remote right now. And that's that's not much of a downside. It was having to go in and enable some 4K settings and things like that. That was if it's it's not really explained uh, right away because it it some things weren't enabled right away on on the Series X like I I had with the One X no issue. So it was it was a little uh, that was a little throw it threw me off for a bit in the beginning. Plugging in my external hard drive with most of my old Xbox One games was was seamless. Unfortunately, I I do have to install some from the disc just because I couldn't fit everything on my external like I, I had some troubles with watchdogs Legion and things like that and but other than that it was very easy to transfer back over to get certain games to have their um, their series X enhancements beyond the one X enhancements so I've done that with several games and like I said it, it it's just very easy to set up. Things are a little couple things are hidden in menus that you gotta go find to make sure if your if your TV isn't like super brand new. But other than that though, this thing is fucking fast, dude. Like I cannot tell you how fast things are compared to what I was working with. Like it turns on and everything gets set up almost instantly. Quick resume on some games is is a game changer because before I was waiting like what I think the old wait times were like a minute or two, and yeah, they seem long when in reality they're they're not really. But then you go and play this, and it's like I can't believe how long I was waiting when you weren't even really waiting that long to begin with. And and it's like you just it it's crazy to realize how f- much faster it is and how slow air quotes around slow things were. It was really easy to get my controller set up. I did have a small hiccup with my uh, headset. Didn't realize I had to like clear out its connection to my One X before I connected it to the Series X. But other than that, everything else was was easy to do. Uh, the updates automatically download. Uh, that going back to settings there for a second. So you do have to enable the console staying on to download stuff. Otherwise, it will not. Um, and that that's another setting that I don't understand why it didn't come up, carry over from my one one X. So like installing some games in the beginning was a little little f- small frustrating hiccup, but I had that done while I was at work, so it wasn't a, a huge major deal. 
Everything else, though, runs really smoothly. Uh, the, only, uh, the only hiccup I had was with Warzone, and that's more a complaint at Call of Duty than, than the Xbox, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But just in terms of how fast it is, how usability and like ease of setting up and things like that, and just the ability to just kind of plug and play, 8.5 for sure for me on, on the Series X. I wish I could give you a review on the PS5. I, I don't have that ability right now, and, and hopefully it won't be too long. And that way I'll be able to, to talk about that soon. Um, we will be able to talk about a, a PS5 air quotes game because it came out on PS4 as well. Uh, but we'll talk about Miles Morales in, in just a bit. Uh, 8.5 on the Series X. And like I said, just super easy to set up. Very user-friendly. The fact that I could just use my existing controllers. But the new Xbox controller, actually. Let me touch on that for a second. It almost feels a little cheap compared to the, the Xbox One controllers. Just only in one spot, though. And that's that's where the, the jewel button is. And I don't know why they like cut the bezel out of it, but it just... It comes off as cheap to me, and it's not. It's really not. It's just a design flaw. Not a flaw. The design they chose to go with there, I don't personally like. Uh, the the It's a smidgen different from, from the Xbox One version. They added a share button. The triggers are a bit different, and then they added like a texture around the whole controller. Overall, though, I'm still going to ultimately play with my, my Elite controller. Uh, and here's hoping an Elite version 3 comes out in, in, in next year or so that has a share button. But overall, 8.5 for the Series X. So, games. Let's talk about games, right? Obviously, with a new console comes new games. And the first of which uh, we're going to talk about is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I do, of course, have for the Series X. And what... Uh, Look, it haven't had a lot, a lot, a lot of time with it, but from what I've played so far, I do really like it. Not as much as I liked Odyssey, and it it is fun with the dual axe wielding and things like this. The game is a bit harder. Granted, I, I didn't choose the hardest difficulty. I didn't choose easy either. I kind of chose the middle of the road, and it there are a lot of bugs, and I'm sure you've seen them online, and and some of them are a little bit frustrating. But if you are not an experienced Assassin's Creed player, I would definitely recommend putting it on like the easiest settings and stuff, just because you probably uh, would struggle a bit in this one because it it has a little more options that you can fine tune if you're a more experienced player. I'm hoping as the story goes on, I'll, I'll have more fun. I'm still in the Norway portion of the game, and there. I, I don't like the healing stuff because you kind of have to heal yourself. It doesn't automatically heal. And granted, some people might like that. I personally, I don't know. It, it It's introducing more RPG elements into the game, and I get that. And I get what they're trying to do. I personally don't like it just because that's not something that has really been a part of Assassin's Creed until now. So it's it's a little jarring, to say the least. Because you go from putting in all these hours into Odyssey and then to kind of have a lot of that stuff kind of thrown out 
with Valhalla. So I, I'm guessing things will change, but in a boss fight, it's very infuriating. But again, boss fights are a little different where they put like the healing herbs in the boss fight arena. So it is a little different, to say the least. And otherwise, gameplay is, is unbelievably smooth. It looks so good. And the act, double axe wielding is, is uh, really fun to do. Combat, though... So now the the enemies have like a health bar above them, which they kind of did in, in Odyssey. But combat is a little more frustrating than it used to be. And it's almost like they took what was great in Origins and Odyssey and then what was not super great in like Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 and, and like kind of blended them together. So that I'm not super feeling and, and I get that. It, they're trying to do something different, so I'm I'm not gonna knock them completely for it, but it's just it's it's not as it's not as uh, smooth as a transition, and and when you go from Odyssey, which I really consider like top five games of all time, and to this, and you're expecting something similar to Odyssey, and I get that this was built by a different team, but it's just. A little not the greatest experience. But it, uh, overall, though, I'm still having fun. Like I said, the gameplay is really smooth. The story isn't as gauge, as engaging as much uh, playing Ivor. And so far, they've kind of like completely cut out like the modern-day uh, Animus-type stuff. But not, not completely, because it's still there, and it, it features in just a, a tiny bit. But the... The the main thing is is it's it's smooth, it looks amazing. I haven't been hit with too many of the bugs, uh, just a few where it comes to like trying to go through a door, or trying to go up steps and then getting caught and and a couple of the the parkour elements. Nothing major, but other than that, everything else is is going really well. And I hope the story doesn't drag out like it seems to be in the beginning. And it reminds me a lot of the snow section in Red Dead 2. So it, it it's kind of something like I hope it just picks up from, from where we are. And, and we're now at the closest we've been to Assassin's Creed 1 than we ever were before. And this game reminds you that this is still an Assassin's Creed game. And there is still stuff tying into it like right away. And... I'm not sure if it's not it it might be a small retcon but obviously the assassin order isn't technically around yet and I don't know if that's mainly because they didn't become assassins until it was Altair's sect you know if of the the assassins in Syria and that is something to consider but again it's it's we'll we'll see how the story plays out if I had to rate it right now, though, like 7.5, I, I don't think it's worthy of a, a 9 for me yet. Like I said, I do need to play through more of it, and I need to see how things play out. Uh, but it's it's 7.5 for me as of right now. But that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I would still recommend it, though. Because, like I said, it, it the gameplay is smooth. If you really like Vikings, then it's totally for you. When I get to England, I think I'm hoping it will pick up. I might re-review it once I get farther into the game, but I've played about six or seven hours of it so far, 
And that's where I'm at with it right now. So don't totally listen <laughs> listen to my judgments. I shouldn't really, really be reviewing it, but I am because I know you guys want my opinion on it uh, regardless. And I can't just sink 40 hours into a game that I don't get a review copy of. But that that's definitely something to think about. The game I am having the most fun with, though... And and this goes back to me loving the first, technically the first game, is Sp- Spider-Man Miles Morales. I do have it on PS4, since I do not have a PlayStation 5. And it's just a joy to be able to go back and just swing through New York City. Because I loved doing that on uh, Spider-Man to begin with. And they were able to like put the nice touches of Miles to s- differentiate him from Peter. So that that is a welcome addition. Playing in the Spider-Verse suit, which I got, I guess, for pre-ordering or whatever, the Spider-Verse suit is... Like, I don't want to play the game in any suit other than the Spider-Verse suit. Because just swing through New York City through that, and it looks exactly like it does in the game, or in the movie, and it kind of, like, moves around on screen. Like, they were able to, to capture that same like animation style vibe for for the suit to put molded onto the character and honestly like I said I don't want to play the game in any other suit but the Spider-Verse suit and it it just that game is like superhero perfection like going from Marvel's Avengers to Miles Morales is is night and day and Avengers is like I said broken I think still I do want to try it out on on the new consoles. I was waiting for the enhancements, but those got delayed, so I'm still just going to have to go back to it normally. But, like I said, it's night and day difference, and it it is so fun to go swinging through the city again. I've put about four hours or so into Miles Morales, um, and it's crazy, like, going into the city and remembering, like... It it's because this isn't really like a sequel. It's like a glorified expansion, and it's weird, like swinging through the city, like knowing where things are, because it the the map is practically the same. So it's and and like I know New York City to a point, but it's it's weird swinging through, like knowing where things are, because you remember playing the first game. Because it's rare for a sequel to have the same map, but it. It it is a bit of nostalgia, and it's weird to say that about a game that's only two years old. But it overall, Miles Morales is really fun. It they throw you right into the thick of it right from the beginning, and it's it's fun utilizing Miles's different powers that are different from Peter's. It is weird though to see the new Peter Parker design, which technically is also in the Spider-Man remastered for PS5. But he's also been redone in, in, in Miles Morales, and it's just very jarring, and it makes Peter look younger than how they portrayed him to be in uh, Marvel Spider-Man, which came out two years ago. So it's it's a very weird thing to do, because you feel like you're playing a, different, a game in a different section of the Marvel multiverse. But other than that, there there is some dips in, in, in things, and... I don't know if that's because I'm playing the PS4 version or not, but like a lot of the cutscenes have a lot of pop in on on the assets, like not loading properly. So that kind of takes me out of my immersion a bit, 
and it's it's just weird to see. And like I said, I, I don't know if that's because I'm I'm playing on the PS4 version, and and it was not supposed to be released on PS4, or if if it's it's something else that has to do with it, or just my PS4 being older. But so I'm not sure if my my PS4 is struggling, but that's definitely the one knock I would have against Spider-Man. But like I said. I'm still having a ton of fun with it. It's great to be back in this world. And like a thousand percent, I'm giving it a nine right now. Because it it's just, it it's almost like muscle memory going in. And when you go to play a game like that, just like when like Arkham Knight came out after Arkham City and things like that, it's like, it just, it flows properly. It's just, your hands know what to do. And it, I'm having the same experience like that with Miles Morales swinging through New York City. Like I was... In this, in Spider-Man, and that's the best part about it. And this time it's during winter, and there's other things going on, and being able to play a game like that, and it, it, it's like complete opposite of what AC Valhalla is, is what I'll say. And they've added some other new features that are really fun, which clearly were more meant for PS5 more than anything, but this game uses the touchpad on the PS4 controller a little bit more, which now there's like a Spider-Man app that your guy in the chair makes, Genki, and like you swipe left on it to open up the app, which almost like swiping on a phone, so that's kind of cool. So that that's a nice new feature, and other than that though, it's the story's playing out very interestingly for sure to see how things go. And I'm excited to see how it goes and if there's a sequel or how this sets up maybe Spider-Man 2. But it'll be interesting to see for sure how everything plays out. But again, I just love swinging through New York City and sometimes I just ignore the the main quests and things like that. Because I just enjoy seeing the sights and, you know, being Spider-Man. But 9 out of 10 for me as of right now for sure. And uh, hopefully, that I know the campaign on that one's a little shorter than some of the other games I've gotten, so that won't be that won't be too much to to handle in the the coming weeks, especially with holidays coming up and and stuff like that. I did also get the Mamba Forever edition, which is the next gen version of uh, NBA Two K twenty twenty one. Excuse me. I have unfortunately not really put any time into that game just because of everything else going on. I got that more as a game to be able to play with friends and things like that. So I, I can't really put a score on that. I did hop into it for a few minutes and it is the crispest, 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 crisp. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it is the best looking NBA 2K game that I have seen in a long time. I haven't been wowed by a 2K game and in, in, in its graphical prowess, its graphical capability in a long time. And this is one that made me say, wow, in the, like, ready-to-play, where you can only just play, like, a exhibition game thing. But LeBron looks like LeBron. And he, like, what I say looks like LeBron, I mean, like, he's, like, I'm watching a game, NBA game on TV. It is, it is crisp and clear and better than I've ever seen. And I, I wish I had, like, regular 2K1... 2k21 to compare it to for real again i i haven't put enough time into that to really give you a gauge of of it so i'm gonna hold off on that one for a while uh the last new game i do want to talk about though is black ops cold war which is call of duty and 
here's some words I'd never expect myself to say. Call of Duty feels like the true first next-gen game I've played. The assets and everything like that in AC Valhalla are near immaculate. But the assets and character models and things like that in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War are even better. And I know the cutscenes are amazing, but they almost nearly translate just almost as perfect to the campaign. And it is hard as fuck. And I'm playing on veteran, and I don't know why I torment myself to do that. Like, I was playing a mission where you're t- taking a computer mainframe. So now, this is 1981. So when I say computer mainframe, it is like the size of a room. <laughs> And you have you're you're it's getting hauled up by a helicopter and you're going through different levels in a building and you're getting fucking shot at from everywhere. And the way the checkpoint worked, I kept like whenever I die, I would the level would reload like insanely fast, I might add. <laughs> but like it would reload with like half my health and I'd like die in one fucking hit. So like that perpetuated my like failure to pass this mission forever ever and it's like i knew the mission would end if i could just make through it and a couple times like i don't know what happened but like it just it slowed down to like a crawl but all the sound and everything else was going through but my health was able to come up and i i could get to a farther point but ultimately i finally overcame after considering heavily lowering the difficulty and it's rare for me to lower difficulty mid-campaign because i will struggle through for as long as i have to if i have to and other than that, though, I <laughs> I made it through. And and unfortunately, I haven't hopped into multiplayer just yet. But I hope to this weekend. And my brother's coming into town for Thanksgiving. And I know he'll want to play it as well. So probably next week, we'll be able to talk about multiplayer. Warzone this week did make its official transition to kind of exist between Modern Warfare and Cold War. So now your, your Warzone loadouts will be separate from your... Modern Warfare loadouts, and my biggest complaint with Call of Duty, biggest, biggest complaint, is that Warzone, it says it's fucking included, and it's fucking not. And Modern Warfare and Warzone were one of the games that did not make it onto my external hard drive, because, you know, Warzone and shit is 250 fucking gigs. Or Modern Warfare is, almost. But... I had to go and re-download Warzone separately because it's not fucking included despite fucking saying it is. And it's fucking infuriating. And you could tell because I don't usually cuss this much in quick succession when I'm talking about a fucking video game. And it's like, your buddy's like, hey, let's play Warzone. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, let me click it. And then it doesn't fucking work. And then you gotta sit and wait for it to download, which takes like half an hour to 45 minutes and by then it's like fuck it i'm not playing warzone tonight and it and it's just it was it was it was frustrating very frustrating and they say it has warzone but no warzone doesn't go live in in black ops till december and it's like fuck you dude that that's fucking annoying but ugh, that was dumb so dumb i don't want to score call of duty yet just because i haven't played multiplayer but if I would, I'd probably put it a close to an eight, seven, seven and a half, eight. Just from campaign is really good, even though it's so it's made by Raven Software. Um, while in uh, Treyarch stuck with multiplayer, and the story is compelling. 
Cold War story. The the biggest issue is because it it so it's technically a true sequel to the first Black Ops, so it ignores two and three. Four didn't have a campaign, but it's like it's almost you can pretty much tell that the voice actors are different. They did not bring back any of the voice actors from the first Black Ops. So that that's a little interesting. You do get to create your own character to a degree for the campaign, which is a little fun. But just going being able to go back to Vietnam is is always a blast because it's you don't get a lot of games set in during the Vietnam War. And that's one of the reasons I loved the original Black Ops to a point. <laughs> My internet at college sucked, so I was like, fuck playing Call of Duty. I'm not doing this. So I, I ended up getting rid of the first Black Ops. But and and I know I've said this before, but this is actually the first Treyarch Call of Duty I've purchased since the first Black Ops. So I'm not a huge fan of, of Treyarch in there. Call of Duty style, if you will. Infinity Ward has always been my uh, preference. But there there are elements of, of the campaign that you wouldn't normally see in a Call of Duty campaign. And, and I think that's to Raven Software's credit, because Treyarch could get a little stale, but but not everything in the in the campaign is meant to be like run and gun, like other Call of Duty campaigns have been. So I, I appreciate that. But overall, I'm really digging it. I can't wait to hop into multiplayer and see what kind of 1980s shenanigans we can get into. But that's that's the most of the games that I've gotten so far. Uh, those are the only games I've gotten so far for next gen. Um, I do want to talk about Call of Duty, though. Because people on both PS5 and Xbox have been running into some problems. Make sure you are playing the right version of Call of Duty. There is a upgrade version there is a last gen version there's a next gen version there's a whole lot of fucking versions and activision is a piece of shit for for fucking up it completely and a lot of people don't realize they might have installed the non next gen version if they got like that weird in between versions there's three fucking versions of call of duty black ops that shouldn't have fucking existed it should have been last gen and next gen and that's fucking it but no, there's like four different versions, and there's the digital and this. And blah, 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 blah. Make sure you get the proper one. So if you're on PS5, make sure it's the PS5 box. If you're on Xbox, make sure you get the one that says Xbox Series X only, and it has the little Series X sticker up in the top right-hand corner on the case. Because if you're not, the game might crash, it might not play properly, and you will not get the next-gen enhancements. So please, please beware, be smart, and be proactive, and make sure you are getting the right copy if you did not get it on launch day last Friday. So just be on the lookout and make sure you get the right copy of Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Cold War. So, with that being said, I'm really enjoying everything so far. Uh, like I said, seamless process from the 1X to the Series X. I'm hoping I don't have to wait too long for PS5. Um, more than likely in the spring, though, with you know just life in general in the way and and other things, and can't justify paying five hundred a thousand dollars for two consoles right now. I can justify one, not two. But and honestly, I don't know where the fuck I'm going to put my PS5 because that thing's so fucking huge. I really don't have anywhere to put it right now. It will not fit in my con my entertainment console. That is 
for damn sure. I do not have the space for it. And I don't know if I can stand it up anywhere. Which is a little infuriating as well. Like, why the fuck did they make something so goddamn big that it would be in everyone's way? And it's annoying, to say the least. But uh, I am looking forward to Cyberpunk in a couple weeks. Immortals Phoenix Rising in a couple weeks. I'm I'm hoping with um you know a little bit more time off from work with the holidays and everything I'll be able to finally cut into my backlog. Doesn't look like we're going to have a, a loaded spring early first year first couple months of game releases either this year so that that should help and hopefully I just don't fall right back into playing Warzone only again. But other than that I'm I'm looking forward to that and and speaking of games coming, I am definitely more more interested in looking into getting that expansion card for my Series X because now that I'm looking at you know next gen assets and things like that those are definitely starting to pile up and fill up the the hard drive a little faster than I expected and I can't get I can't spend 220 right now on it but I know I'll probably need it by January or February just to add another terabyte to my repertoire uh, to make sure that I can always play the Series X enhanced games since they need to either be installed on those temporarily proprietary Seagate expansion cards and or on the internal SSD. And I'm hoping by the time I need one of those, maybe some of the other competitors will be out uh, and some not as expensive options will be available. But that is my experience with Next Gen so far. I am really enjoying it. I am just digging the difference it is. And it, it is a noticeable difference in speed alone. You're not going to notice that much of a graphical difference unless you're going from like a PS4 regular to a PS5 or a regular Xbox One to an Xbox Series X. Granted, I had an Xbox One X, so it, I was already playing in, in... I wasn't playing 4K60, but I was playing in close to 4K. Uh, my... I can't really tell the difference between 30 frames and 60 frames. I know some people can. Unfortunately, I don't have a TV to take full advantage of the the 120 frames per second on some games. And I only bought a new TV uh, a year and a half ago, so definitely not getting a new TV anytime soon. But that is something... Be when I get a new computer monitor, I'll I'll bring the, the Series X up to, to check that out and see how that plays at 120 frames per second on on games that will support it. But hopefully you guys are having as much fun with your next gen as I am, and uh, stick to Next Third News as we have continuing next gen coverage over the next uh, month and a half or so as we stay in the launch window of the new console generation, or current gen as we can now call it. But uh, moving on, if you guys are looking to get a PS5 and are wondering when some of its big, big uh, exclusives, if you will, are coming out, well, we finally have an idea. A new Sizzle Reel Reel trailer was shown off with, you know, PS5 games. And uh, down at the bottom in fine print, because we didn't get, like, official dates, we have a new release window, at least, an idea for Gran Turismo 7, the Ratchet & Clank uh, games, and... What was the other game? One of the other PS5 exclusives, which are all expected to drop sometime in the first half of 2021, barring any delays or anything like that. So that's probably anywhere between January and June of next year. I don't expect anything to come before the end of February, though, if you ask me. 
as uh, the world transitions back into somewhat of a normalcy, if we do. And we also got an idea for a possible launch window for Horizon uh, Forbidden West, the official title of Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, and that is expected sometime in the second half of 2021, which, if I don't have a PS5 by spring, I will have it on launch of Horizon Zero Dawn 2 Forbidden West, as that is the game I'm really, really, really waiting for. And I, I know God of War, the, the next God of War game probably won't be out until at least late next year, if not early 22. Um, so if you guys are holding out and waiting for some more games, that's that's your chance. Uh, so at least you have an idea of when to prepare for. But it's uh, nice of them at least to give an idea. Better than what they used to do, which they'd announce a game like four years ahead of time. They both do that, though. That's annoying. Don't announce a game. Say it's coming out in like three years, and then don't talk about it for two years. That's you're just. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of everyone's time. But moving on, how about this? You know, I was talking about gaming earlier at the top of the show, how gaming has just exploded in 2020. Twitch has become the number one selling console for two years in a row, two years straight. And that's crazy. Over 735,000 Switch and Switch Lite consoles were sold in October. That is a 136% increase year over year. They sold that many in October alone. How nuts is that? The the second highest October sales of any video game console in history, second only to the Wii in 2008 and and to think about it, people were buying these a month before PlayStation 5 and Series X. 23 straight months of, of record-breaking sales. And, quote, from this is from President Doug Bowser, quote, Nintendo Switch and Nintendo Switch Lite continue to provide one-of-a-kind gaming experiences on the TV or on the go, allowing holiday shoppers the choice of a video game system that matches their lifestyle, unquote. Smart. Very, very smart. They raised their their profit forecasts on an earnings call recently from 300 billion yen to 450 billion yen. And the Switch has now surpassed lifetime sales of the original Nintendo console. And I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. I, I can see the Switch surpassing the Wii and even PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 4. I I fully expect... Oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking... I think the 735,000 is lifetime. I think that's lifetime. I don't think they sold a million consoles in, in a month. That'd be... That's, ex- that's excessive. So, that that's that's nuts, though, right? That is just crazy numbers crazy numbers and uh, whoa props to nintendo man they figured it out i don't know what they did but they figured it out <laughs> that that's just that's nuts man i crazy sales numbers crazy sales numbers and that's just because of the switch and the switch Lite, just easy and it's not really a traditional console it's affordable so i i expect the series s to do probably not not crazy numbers like that but i i can see the series s becoming a big 
second console for a lot of people because it's affordable and if you don't need or care about 4K and you know Game Pass is a solid deal but people who get a PS5 might get a Series S as like a backup for some things like that. And speaking of Game Pass, Microsoft announced that of all their Series S's and Series X's, 70% of those owners are subscribed to Game Pass. 70% of new Xbox console owners are Game Pass subscribers. So obviously they're winning in in their own way because that's what they wanted. They wanted people to understand that Game Pass is something that works. Not everyone wants to buy, go out and buy every game that comes out. Not everyone has the space to buy every game that comes out. And granted, not every game is on Game Pass, but what, it's like 10 bucks a month still, I think. You get like 200 games. Now EA Access is in there, so you have access to like certain Star Wars games and the sports games. I think they just announced like a Disney Plus deal, which whatever, that that's not really a big deal. But it's like, and then all the Bethesda games are going to be in there. So it's like, and and Microsoft exclusives are day and date in Game Pass. So it's like, why wouldn't you get that? You don't necessarily have to buy games. And I get that it's like, well, there's no true next gen or the exclusives aren't blah, blah, blah. I get that. It's a tired, tired and true argument, right? Things are going to start changing, though. And we'll see how their exclusives turn out. Because they've gobbled up a lot of studios. And we'll see how all that pans out for them. It's not going to happen right away. Sony has a lot of solid exclusives, too. So it, it'll be, it will really come down to the fight for exclusives again. Not just, hey, this console has exclusives and this one is kind of doing that. So... It'll be nice to see that that healthy competition again that's been kind of missing for a while. Uh, that is it for gaming this week, though. Like I said, it was mostly focused on next-gen and some of the games that came out. I did want to talk about those and, and just share my experience with you guys. If you guys did get next-gen, please come and let me know. Um, if you, I want to hear your experiences. We can share them on the show. And uh, hopefully, if any of my friends get a PS5, I can get them to come on and we can talk about their experience with PS5 and things like that. Um, just because I know there's been some some hiccups in transferring your save files and filling up that, that smaller internal SSD pretty quickly. But we'll save that for another day. Let's move on to uh, what's going on in the TV world or streaming world as, as what's become mainly the focus of what is considered TV nowadays. And Netflix is going to launch... A TV channel. A TV channel with programming. Yeah. <laughs> right? Strange, I know. And it's called Netflix Direct. It is a linear content channel. We'll have real-time scheduled programming. Uh, this is per IndieWire. And I guess they've already tried it in France. Uh, it rolled out earlier this month. And it doesn't require you, quote, to choose what they're going to watch. Uh, they'll put Netflix stuff on there, so it's their their content, not, not like other people's content. And it has to do with consum consumption of TV. Um, quote, whether you are lacking inspiration or whether you're discovering Netflix for the first time, you could let yourself be guided for the first time without having to choose a particular title 
and let yourself be surprised by the diversity of Netflix's library, unquote. And that's directly from them describing the the service. And so, like I said, it, it started in France. It's supposed to come to the West. Well, that is the West. To North America later this year, early next year. And I wonder how that's going to work, but it's very strange to see. And and granted, they've been increasing their output and decreasing their output to a degree, but I wonder how this scheduled content channel will work. That is interesting for sure. I don't don't see it working anymore. There's Netflix's bingeability. There's not a lot of bingeability there, so we'll see how that changes things. Uh, Netflix, though... Despite canceling some of their live-action shows earlier in the year, they have renewed two live-action shows, two that I personally very much enjoy, so I'm I'm happy with this news. Uh, Umbrella Academy has been renewed for Season 3, because it would have sucked if they ended on that cliffhanger. And Space Force, the Steve Carell show, has been renewed for Season 2. So I'm I'm happy that both shows, uh, one a really good action show, the other a really good comedy show, will be coming to Netflix uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy those shows got renewed. We got some more news regarding WandaVision over at Disney+. And despite everyone thinking that the show was going to air sometime in December, uh, it has been pushed back, I guess, to a degree. Not I don't want to say delayed, because it technically wasn't delayed. To, to January 15th, and it will premiere on Disney+, Plus then. Uh, but we also got some news regarding the show. So... It looks like every episode will take place in like a different like era of TV nostalgia to a degree. It looked like we had like 80s sitcom and like 1950s style sitcom that was in black and white. And we actually learned that the first episode is the one that takes place in like that 50s era style was actually filmed in black and white in front of a studio audience to really get that vibe. So we're really getting that sitcom-y vibe here. And they, they quote, called it a love letter to the golden age of television, unquote, as per Entertainment Weekly. Uh, So it will be a six-episode series, which kind of sucks. And it will go from the 50s, early 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, TGIF, 90s. uh, And then they did do some other scenes in front of a live audience. So that'll be fun. They also said it will be, like, super action-y. So it's going to be, like, a comedy and an action show as well so that that's good to hear um they have a quote from elizabeth olsen saying it was insanity there was something very meta for my own life because i would visit those tapings as a kid where my sisters were working on full house and unquote uh paul bettany said quote hi by the end of it and uh keep on running the show unquote uh and he just really liked doing it which is Interesting to hear from Paul Bettany, who had, despite playing Jarvis in several MCU movies, had never watched a Marvel movie until he was cast to play Vision as well, which is funny, but it's, it's glad to hear that he's enjoying the role. And I can't wait to see what happens with the show and it sucks that we got to wait till January 15th, but at least that allows the Mandalorian to breathe a bit and then end. And then people have the holidays to, to kind of decompress and then come back in January to new MCU content. And 2020 will go down as the first time since 2008, I think, for a year without any new MCU entry. 
which is another wild thing to think about. Uh, let's uh, move on. So also announced for Disney Plus, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and their production company will be producing a Darkwing Duck reboot for Disney Plus. No word yet, though, if it will tie into the Darkwing Duck stuff they've been doing on the new DuckTales reboot, or if it will be a complete reboot and have no connection to that at all, but or or casting or anything like that, as it was just their, their start in production and exploring how they'll reboot the show. Then, um, moving on to uh, HBO Max, we've got some news on the DC uh, Peacemaker show, which is based off of the um, the DC character's Peacemaker, who's going to be in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Uh, James Gunn has actually gone, is in Canada, and with John Cena, I presume, filming the show. Uh, he recently tweeted a picture of an Xbox Series X, of all things, uh, showing that he just got there to, to start his quarantine before filming the show. So it looks like he's going to be doing that before Guardians 3. Uh, but we did get some new casting announcements for Peacemaker. Robert Patrick of Terminator 2 fame will be joining the cast, as well as the actor Chris Conrad, and not so much about the actor, but he, he will be playing DC Comics character Vigilante, uh, Adrian Chase, and if you watched Arrow, that name should seem familiar as Vigilante was a major player in season six, season six of of Arrow. So be on the lookout for that when it comes to HBO Max, probably late this year or early next year. Uh, also got news about the Fresh Prince reunion and a trailer. Uh, the Fresh Prince re- reunion will drop November nineteenth, so tomorrow <laughs> on HBO Max. And then Zack Snyder was giving some information about uh, about his Snyder Cut before the uh, new trailer drops dropped this week. So this was last week he was talking about it. It was a little infuriating because the headlines around this were all misleading. But uh, he said that in total there will only be four minutes of new footage. And when he means new footage, he means four minutes of new, newly filmed footage. He's still adding two hours almost of stuff that was already filmed, just was cut from the Whedon version. Which, like, I had to explain to someone, it's like, alright, if it's going to be four hours long, it's obviously not including just four minutes of new footage. Like, obviously if the theatrical cut was two hours, and this thing's like four, obviously... There's more than four minutes of new footage. It's just four minutes of newly filmed, i.e. like some of the reshoots that he's gone back to do uh, very recently. Maybe four minutes of VFX work. I I don't know, but that's what he said. Uh, In the same interview, he was talking about, though, how... I guess someone asked him about who would be Catwoman in his universe, and he said Carla Gugino, who he works with, I think, in almost all of his movies at this point. And... I thought to myself, yes, I want Carla Gugino as as the Catwoman to my bat, to Ben Affleck's Batman. That would be that would be very very perfect. I'm totally on board. I I heard Carla Gugino and I'm I'm in. I like she's she's great. I love her. So her as a Catwoman, sign me the fuck up. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Come on, baby, bring it in. Like perfect, 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 perfect. Perfect. Um, and then we finally got some news on the Halo show, which has been kind of quiet for a while. Uh, I know with 2020 and COVID and all that. But the voice of Cortana has been recast in the show to Jen Taylor. 
Uh, Jen Taylor is the voice of Cortana in the games, so it's it it's only fitting, which a lot of other things are strange about the show, but anyway, uh, Jen Taylor will voice Cortana in the show. Uh, they will have a different actress play Halsey, though, in, in the show, but Jen Taylor will voice Cortana, even though Cortana's supposed to be like an emulation of Halsey. And anyway, I'm not getting too much into it, but uh, that's a nice addition to the cast and a little bit of a nice change-up. I guess the original actress could not provide the voice work due to scheduling conflicts, so it'll be nice to hear Jen Taylor's voice, as she is really the voice of Cortana everywhere, from your phones, your computers, uh, smart speakers, to the game itself. So it makes sense. It really does. And before we move on to movies, I do want to talk about The Mandalorian and season th- episode three here of, of season two, somewhat of a game changer, man. Season one blew up the canon in a big way. Season two, or episode three, why do I keep saying season one? Episode one blew up the canon. Season three expands on existing canon and, and makes everything fit a little bit nicer. Uh, big, big connection to the Clone Wars. Get a name drop for Ahsoka, which pretty much confirms that she'll be in season three in some capacity if it's next week. Probably not, but the way this show works, she'll probably be uh, like season finale or maybe this episode before the season finale. But uh, Katie Sackoff guest starred in this episode as Bo- Bo-Katan Kurz, Kreese, uh, who she voiced the character in both Rebels and in uh, uh, The Clone Wars. Uh, if you know your Star Wars lore, she was a member of Death Watch, uh, but was also the sister of Duchess Satine Kurz, Kreese, I don't know how to say that name, who had a slight bit of a, uh, I, I don't know what, what you'd want to call it, but a rendezvous with, with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But her introduction to the show as a new wrinkle to the issue of the Darksaber, as she was the last person we know to have wielded the Darksaber before it fell into the hands of Moff Gideon. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays in. And there's a ship that featured in this episode. Uh, it's called the Gozanti Freighter, and it was heavily featured in Rebels. And I don't know if it was Rebels art style or not, but I just always hated how it looked in Rebels. And seeing it, though, in live action completely like swayed my opinion on it. And then I come to find out it was actually featured in... Clone Wars a bit, minorly, and it was actually in a background scene in in The Phantom Menace, and I'm just like, what? Because I really do not like the new ship design that's been going on at at Lucasfilm lately, to a degree. Some of the First Order stuff was actually really fucking cool, like the Supremacy. I love that fucking Mega Star Destroyer. But just some of the designs in Star Wars have gotten lazy, particularly with... um, was it uh, Star Wars Resistance and some of the stuff in Rebels? And it was just like, where, what happened to like all the cool ships that were in Star Wars canon? And it was, it was really fun to see the ship in The Mandalorian because I have a newfound love for it because it just looks so much fucking cooler in that show than it did ever before. So I really enjoy that. But the biggest thing to take out of this episode, it's a bit of a spoiler. So... Bo-Katan takes off her helmet to talk to Din, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian. 
Uh, this is also where we see Sasha Banks, the wrestler, her character. She's part of the Night Owls who are with Bo-Katan. And he's like, as soon as she takes off her helmet, he's like, where did you get your armor? Mandalorians aren't supposed to take off your armor. Like, show your face or whatever. He goes, this is the way. And it turns out she's like, ah, he's a child of the Watch. Indicated and saying stuff along the lines he's like he's part of just like an extremist cult which is technically he was rescued by the death watch during the clone wars so these guys who are pretty much shunned by major mandalorian um society are they're like a extremist cult and that's why they believe in like the old ways and she says all this stuff this is why he never takes off his helmet because he's an extremist which explains why in rebels like all these mandalorians were taken always taken off their helmets like Sabine and all them, and they were technically true Mandalorians. So that explains a lot, and, you know, Gar Saxon and all them. So now that kind of mess in the canon is is fixed up to a point. We still don't know, though, if Boba Fett is still not a Mandalorian or not yet. And I know they've said he isn't anymore, but it remains to be seen how that will all play out. And as far as we all know, he's still in Tatooine. And I hope he wasn't, they didn't bring Tamura Morrison back just for that tiny little fucking scene, because that'd be annoying. But, overall, The Mandalorian Season 2 has been a solid, solid, solid season. It was nice to have that connection to the Clone Wars, that Ahsoka name drop. There were some cool cameos in this episode, and it just expanded on the lore even more, and brought in some cool throwbacks and connections that I really enjoyed, and Honestly, every episode of season three so far has been almost perfect, and I can't wait to see what happens this week. Moving on to movies, and uh, just to wrap up up this week's episode, I, I The Rock is producing a Scorpion King remake, but he's not starring in it. I mean, granted, granted, I would love to see what he could do with the role now, because back when he first did it, it's back when The Rock was still kind of a joke in acting, and like, He's obviously become a much better actor since then. So it sucks that he's just producing it. But Universal's like totally rebooted like their mummy franchise. So I how is this gonna work? I don't I don't know. I don't know how this is all gonna work. It's gonna be it'll be interesting. Like will it tie in to like the old ones? Will it tie into like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies still? Like I want to see how this all plays out. Like, do they still own the rights to the Scorpion King? How does how does this work? How does this work? I have a lot of questions, and I just I, I would have liked to see The Rock redo the role now as a much better actor, and to see how that would play out. Granted, he was only in the first one. I don't think he because they, they, they kept making them. They they became like direct to video movies. Like the first one, two thousand two. Holy shit. It's been almost 20 years since since that. Oh my god. That's crazy. That is crazy. But anyway, what? They made like a bunch of them. They made... What is this? One, two, three, four. Four. Four more. There was one that came out two years ago? Oh my god. So... This, so the first Scorpion King was 2002. The second one was 2008. So there was a six-year difference. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson obviously did not return for any of them. Then the Scorpion three in 2012. Scorpion King three in 2012. Then the Scorpion King four in 2015. 
and the Scorpion King, the Book of Souls, which is like five, in 2018. Holy shit. That series got played out. No wonder it's getting rebooted. Jesus. Oh my god. But, and just people, it, did they, like, was this even like a through story? It looks like nobody, like, only the people that played, like, the Scorpion King continued, but, like, it had a whole new cast, like, moving forward, which makes sense, if you think about it, but that's crazy, man. That is crazy, but Randy Couture was in one? What the heck am I looking at? The, the cast people in these movies is, is, I'm just looking at this crazy cast. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, it's getting rebooted with The Rock producing, and uh, it will come out sometime in the future, because it was only announced this week. So, uh, circling back to James Gunn, as we were talking about him during the TV section, and since he is going to start filming The Peacemaker Show, it looks like he's also finished writing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, though. So that probably won't go into production for at least another year, if anything. Um, but he has completed the script and probably turned it into Disney and will probably go through some, some re- go through some rewrites ultimately before they start filming. And I know he's got to finish post-production and things like that on, on the Suicide Squad. But uh, we got some Marvel casting news. Chris Pratt has joined Thor 4, Thor 4, uh, or Thor Love and Thunder in a supporting role as Peter Quill. No word yet on how large of a role he will play, but he will be joining Thor on his adventures through space. So that their camaraderie in the the Infinity War movies, so Infinity War and Endgame was really good. So I, I, I would like to see that expanded upon, considering he left with the Guardians at the end of, of Endgame. So it makes sense that Peter Quill and the Guardians would play in in some capacity. Now it remains to be seen, though, if Chris Hemsworth will be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, also announced by Marvel, they will not use a digital double of Chadwick Boseman in, in Black Panther 2, and I, I think that's really smart um in an interview with claren uh executive producer victoria alonzo said that no quote no there's only one chadwick and he's not with us our king unfortunately has died in real life not just in fiction and we are taking a little time to see how we return to history and what what we do to honor this chapter of what was happened to us that was so unexpected so painful so terrible really alonzo said unquote and so she's been a producer since phase one. So she's knows what she's talking about and probably has Kevin Feige's ear. And in reality, she's probably talking for Kevin Feige here. I would like to see them personally. I would like to see them go with Shuri as the next Black Panther, like they've done in the comics. And that's really the only way you can do that. And they, they, uh, she also said, quote, I know that sometimes two months go by or three months go by in production and one says already it was a long time, but it is not a long time and we have to think carefully about what we're going to do and how and think about how we're going to honor the franchise, unquote, on what they're going to do with Black Panther 2. Uh, Ryan Coogler obviously hasn't said anything about what they're going to do and 
I think that, like I said, I personally think they should go with Shuri, and I think they'll take care of T'Challa or Chadwick Boseman's character in a in a nice way, in a great way. And and I know they'll probably end up killing him off screen, but as long as they don't like pull like the bullshit they did with with um, Carrie Fisher and the Rise of Skywalker, then I'll be happy. To be honest, I think a lot of, a lot of people will be. Um, we also got news on a potential director for the Le- Lilo and Stitch live remake, live action remake. Which does anyone want? A Lilo and Stitch live action remake? I don't think so. But if it's directed by John M. Chu, I, I think I think people can get behind that. That's the second time in, in a couple weeks that we've talked about him. So he directed Crazy Rich Asians. He might now be attached to the Lilo and Stitch remake. And I'm pretty sure what we were talking about. He is directing Oh god, I gotta go find it now in my my show notes here. Where was it? Um, hold on, I'll find it. That's what it was. He was, um, he's going to be directing the pilot for the the Willow sequel series, so the film Willow with Warwick Davis. That's that's what it was. That's I was looking in the wrong section in my notes, but that was a couple of weeks ago. We we talked about that, but that is something. Uh, to be on the lookout for, and if if I think he's a good director for Lilo and Stitch, and I think he would do it justice more than some other people, I just don't think a live action Lilo and Stitch is what we need. But that's me, and I think that's a lot of other people saying that too. But whatever, Disney, just keep chugging along, I guess. <laughs> just keep chugging along, and uh, we'll be talking about the Suicide Squad yet again today. Sylvester Stallone has joined the cast of the Suicide Squad in an undisclosed role. And this will mark the second time Stallone has joined a a James Gunn superhero movie. After previously playing Stakar in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. One of the original Guardians of the Galaxy with with Yondu. uh, If you know your your comics lore there. And I wonder... Actually, I'm, I'm wondering who he'll play, if it's going to be actual or if it's a voice role. Some people thought maybe King Shark, but no, they've already announced like two different people for King Shark, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm just trying to think of like DC characters that he could play, and and I'm I'm at a loss, actually. I'm, I really am. Unless they have him play like Sportsmaster or something. No, that wouldn't make sense. Um, but yeah. Uh, in other news, um... Amber Heard is not going to be leaving Aquaman 2, despite what the internet wants and other things Warner Brothers has done recently. Granted, they haven't even started filming that show, so a lot a lot can change in, in uh, the next couple of years. So don't be surprised if something does. And then uh, Jason Bloom and Todd McFarlane have both confirmed that they are still working out details and a script and a story for the next film in the Spawn franchise. So it might be a little while, but they're working on it. Don't worry. Jamie Foxx is still going to be our new spawn. Nothing to nothing to see here, folks. But otherwise, that's it for Nixner News. Thank you guys for listening. Like I said, it it was a our first week in a new generation of gaming, the next gen, the current gen, however you want to call it for the time being. I, I do apologize that it was Series X heavy. I mean, I don't, but I wish I had a PS5 to, to really talk about with you guys and 
unfortunately, it's just not feasible sometimes. But uh, thank you guys for listening anyway. Uh, I will definitely have some more next-gen stuff to talk about next week as I get more and more hands-on with the console and in, and with the games. I'll be able to check out some more Series X enhancements on some of the games as well. And uh, maybe some TV or movie stuff. I, I don't know. The Mandalorian, though, that's a constant. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about that next week. Uh, but more gaming. Uh, the Game Award nominees were announced this week. So we'll talk about that next week for sure. And we'll see how everything else is playing out. But as always, guys, uh, if you want, check out nixnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser if you like. Uh, but if you don't like listening in your browser, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, and op- Apple Podcast pages. Also, while you're there, make sure to check out our social tab where you can see links to all of our social media pages, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. And then that way, you guys can keep track of when we post new episodes and things like that. And otherwise, uh, I do post a lot of memes. So if you guys want to see funny memes, that that's where to go. But... Other than that, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Thank you guys for listening. Next week is Thanksgiving here in America, so happy Thanksgiving if you don't listen to me next week. Otherwise, I will catch you guys on the flip side.